Wine you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star, the Disney fan cast, where we drink wine, watch a Disney movie, and drink more wine. I'm your host, Joe Peo. I'm your other host, Brenna Peo. And I'll hit you with the disclaimer we are in no way affiliated with Disney. Not one bit fan cast, not official podcast. We're just fans. We love that Disney without taking that dollar. So, all you Disney people, just look the other way. Wait, they don't have to look the other way. Look we the just other way. Said we're not a Disney affiliated. We're just some weird fans. So, you don't have to worry about us cashing in on that Mickey Chetta. Like, we're no worse than those people who do, like, the weird fan art of, like, the Avengers doing weird stuff with each other. You're talking about Rule 34? Okay, I don't know what that is, but now we're going to have a talk after this. <laughs> Golly gee, what did we drink tonight? Because I'm going to need more of it. We drank Troublemaker. Now, what is Troublemaker? Troublemaker is a red blend from the Central Coast. It is 48% Syrah, 21% Grenache, 18% Mouvedre. 8% Petite Syrah, and 5% Zinfandel, and 100% mmm, that tasty, tasty goodness. So it's a GSM with some extra friends invited over oh, into the hot tub. Do you know what region of the Central Coast this is from? Did you look at the bottle when you bought it? Uh, no. Okay, guess. Uh, Napa. Wrong. Paso. Our favorite Paso. No wonder we loved it so much. <laughs> We were on board with this wine. It was tasty. Sorry, Carolyn. We love the Paso wine. Anyone would normally pay how much for this bottle? It's about a, a $27 bottle. But thank you, Sprouts, for giving it to us for like... 17 Cool. Cool. We're going to go buy some more tomorrow. We were on board with this wine. It was super tasty, very rich, almost savory. Like, it's so good. That was the thing you first said when you had some of it. It's almost meaty, but not like in a bad way. It's like there's chunks of beef floating in it. But it's just, <laughs> it's got almost like the, the nice juices that come off of a finely made steak kind of thing. Hold on. So you pour a bottle of wine and it's like, pour, pour, when the chunks of meat fall out. Yeah. You know, like the, like the wine boyardee. Well, that's been it for us this week. Thanks for joining us. I have to go throw up. Mmm, <laughs> that raw, raw beef taste. No, but it was good. Yeah, it was nothing like what all the words you're saying. It was really tasty. I was just saying, it's it, it kind of it's almost like when you have a nice piece of beef, like when your mouth almost like salivates a little bit. There's just so much flavor going on. It's that kind of thing. I'm not saying it tastes like meat or spit. I'm just saying it had a very similar sort of reaction in my mouth. It was good. I, I mean, I don't know why wine companies don't ask us to write the back of the labels. <laughs> I really don't know. It's drool. Oh, that's the best. That's that's how you know it's good. It's like that feeling when the back of your throat prickles and you feel like you're going to throw up when you eat something good. That sounds like an allergy. Wait, is your throat not supposed to close when you eat something tasty? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And here we have our guest, the Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> okay, Joey, what movie did we watch? The reason why we picked Troublemaker is that we were covering a movie starring one of Disney's most notorious troublemakers, Robin Hood. Did you like Robin Hood? Okay, first impressions before we dig into it. I totally enjoyed this movie. Again, this was one of those where uh, last time when I told you what was coming up next, you thought, eh, I don't know if that's my favorite. 
but you were totally digging it this entire time. Well, it's not that I was like, it's not my favorite. It's more like I didn't remember it. But as we went along, you were discovering you did remember a lot. Yeah, of it. it was funny because we made we both made this comment. Like there was a part in the middle where it was like, okay, I don't quite remember all the details of this. But like 75% of the movie, I remembered. Like as soon as the scene started, I was like, oh. Same here. And not even just knowing what happens in the movie, but some of the beats that would happen where it would go from like one scene or like one situation into the next one or the way the characters would react or the little things that they would say in response. It's like in my mind, they were coming up. It's almost like listening to an old song where it's just like, oh, I remember all of this. I mean, let's jump right in. What are we going to do first? We're going to open that book, but we're not going to have somebody read it to us. We're going to read it ourselves. It's only like for a couple paragraphs, but it just kind of generally shows you uh, King Richard of England is gone and his brother, Prince John, is in charge. Havoc is being wreaked across the countryside by Robin Hood. But you see a picture of a human Robin Hood, but then right over the top of him is a uh, it's almost like a like an ornate picture of a rooster holding a. Like an old, an old guitar. It was like a mandolin. Yeah. And then he just starts talking and he starts moving and he's like, all right, so a lot of you know Robin Hood. A lot of you know this. But guess what? In the animal kingdom, we have our own version. And this is the real version. So now he's kind of bringing into question the whole legend of Robin Hood. He's like, you humans got it all wrong. Here's the real one. Okay. The soundtrack of this movie, everyone knows every song. I promise you. Like, I didn't realize. I kept turning to you this whole time and saying like, did they write this for this movie? Was this written for this movie? Because it was like every song. The chicken himself is, and this is kind of like a little mini fact. So, so uh, just mumble that in the corner by yourself. <laughs> the uh, the chicken is voiced by Roger Miller, who is a songwriter from the sixties and seventies. He's most well known for that song "King of the Road." Roger Miller wrote a lot of these songs, and he's the voice of the chicken. And the chicken, I never picked it up before. He introduces himself. He has a name, and his name is Alan Adale. <laughs> he kind of glosses over it right before he gets into his song, but he's like, I'm Alan Adale. Did you recognize some of the music that was in this at I the beginning? just told you I recognized all of it. But I mean in something that's a little more culturally recent. No, I can't put the music in its place. Do you remember the hamster dance? Oh, yeah. So... In the 90s, there was a big sensation of hamsterdance.com. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this for any of our listeners, but it used a sped up version of a section of the song and just had all these gifs of teeny tiny hamsters dancing. And that was the whole web page, but it was just using this song. Uh, yeah, that's where this is where that came from. Hmm. Maybe that's why I realized that one song so well. So if we jump into aspects of this movie, Prince John is like the weakest, whiny, booger character ever made by Disney, ever. Yeah. I even love how they make his posture just so lazy. Like the way he just kind of like slinks in his chair, almost like he's just like a tiger rug. And he's hypnotized his brother with the help of his assistant. I didn't catch that before, but he, Sir Hiss, his, mm -hmm. his, 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 his assistant, assistant. his vizier is uh, he mentions just kind of in, in this big exposition drop, oh, remember that time when I hypnotized your brother and made him go off on the Crusades? Which has always been one of those things in the original Robin Hood that didn't make a lot of sense, where England pretty much goes into chaos because the king went off to fight in the Crusades. 
And it says, when it's just, why did he do that? I don't know. Honor, glory. No, he was hypnotized by a snake. But he was snake. hypnotized by a snake. And of course, the queen got so sad that she died. And so then she left everything to her son, Prince John, who's a big giant wiener, and sucks his thumb and holds his ear and cries every time his mom is mentioned. I thought the writing in this movie was very clever. Like the repertoire that characters had, like Little John and Robin Hood, I thought it was really cute. They introduce Robin Hood and Little John, and as the song says, they're walking through the forest, and they're just hanging out while the royal caravan goes by. So one thing that I picked out is because after watching this movie, I became obsessed with Robin Hood. I think I always had like a little bow and arrow and a hat. And Always when, had? You have it. Probably still do. Don't pretend like you don't have it. That includes the always had and always have and, you and always will. in your hat yes. with your bow and arrow. But from my familiarity with the story, there's this really cute moment that's really kind of tongue-in-cheek for the people that remember the story. And it's that they come to a river crossing and Robin Hood and Little John sort of bow down like gentlemen and say, like, you can go first. Because the whole reason of that is that when Robin Hood and Little John meet in the legend... They're fighting over whether or not Robin Hood can cross over a little uh, bridge over a river. And you can kind of see this in the, uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood and also in the, the Mel Brooks one, The Men in Tights. They always have these scenes where Little John won't allow him to cross this river and then they end up fighting each other and that's how he gets to prove that he's a, a valiant warrior. But instead, here they are, they're just like, here, you can go on ahead, but then they bump into each other and fall in the river and then just start swimming. I would like to know... What happened at this point in Disney history to make Disney hate the government? I think it may have also been partially having to do with McCarthyism and the writer's strike. And also on top of that, the animators trying to unionize and things like that. Because they are, everybody involved in this is definitely just like anti-government, anti-taxes, anti-everything. Just saying like, leave us alone. Yeah, like throughout the entire movie... Uh, Prince John continues to, like, raise taxes and steal from the poor. And I'm not talking, like, steal a little bit. Like, the sheriff walks into the church and takes, like, the mouse nun's last, like, pennies that she had put in for the poor. And then, like, he also takes the birthday gift of, like, the little rabbit child. And they don't even say, and it's not even a thing where they're just like, oh, well, the... The government needs this for to improve the, the way of life or anything like that. It's just when you see the people who collect the taxes, they're just like, mm, taxes, taxes, mm, I love taxes. Let me sleep with them by my bed. Oh, I love coins and I just want to keep them next to me. It's just for their own personal comfort, not having anything to do with what taxes would be normally collected for. Well, I mean. Ideally, I'm just saying they didn't they didn't try to justify it at all. Right. So... This is fun tax with Brenna Pale. <laughs> One of these situations of tax collecting comes upon a little bunny rabbit's birthday. And for his birthday, his big present that his whole bunny family has pulled together for him is one farthing, which is not even a penny. It's like a tenth of a penny. And the sheriff comes in and says, oh, it's a good thing the whole family pulled together because everybody pulls their own weight. And then he steals from them. Well, he says, because the mommy rabbit's like, we saved so much just to give him that birthday present. And the sheriff's like, the family who saves together gives together. 
and then he steals from a beggar that comes in. The beggar ends up being Mr. Robin Hood. So Robin Hood is there, doesn't doesn't fight him off or anything, just kind of waits for him to leave, and he's like, ha ha, it's Robin Hood. And the little bunny sister's like, he's so dreamy. And then he ends up giving She's a cat. Him, excuse me? She's a cat. She's a cat. The cats, no, the rabbits are Aristocats. They're voices. They are those people. I, I don't think they are. No, they totally are. She goes, he's so dreamy. Just like Marie does in the original. That is very similar to the to the characterization, but I don't I don't think she's I don't know. I I tried looking up the voices and I didn't see any. Nah, they definitely of those. are. Just like the crocodile later is the Indian chief from Peter Pan. I think that's true. It sounds exactly like him. It's the lowest voice I've ever heard. In lieu of a monetary present, the little bunny gets Robin Hat Robin Hood's <clears throat> the little bunny gets Robin Hood's hat and his bow and arrow. So cute. And he says, I'm going to go outside and shoot things. He goes out, he shoots his arrow, and this is this goes back to what I was saying about the Sword in the Stone episode. He shoots the arrow, and then he has to go retrieve the arrow, because <laughs> that's the point of a bow and arrow. Okay, I thought that at that moment, and I was like, I knew you were going to say that. Because <laughs> I said that in the last episode. If I didn't mention it, I feel like I would have forgotten something. So I want to say something about the flow of the movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact that It wasn't assumed that we knew that Prince John just hated Robin Hood for no reason. We got to see Robin Hood steal from Prince John right at the beginning of the movie. And he did it in a very, like, demeaning way where, like, Prince John was told, like, you're about to get stolen from. And he was like, no, I'm not. And then Robin Hood and Little John come in dressed as women gypsies who are like, we'll read your fortune. He's like, okay. And basically, like, they pretend to have boobs. And so they throw in a bunch of coins into their, like, cleavage. And they steal all of his stuff. And he ends up in the mud sucking his thumb to which he says, oh, my thumb's dirty (laughs) as he's sucking it. Well, they even stole his clothes off of his body somehow. Like, when he finally finishes getting his fortune read and Robin Hood runs off, he opens up his caravan carriage, and he uh, is not wearing any clothes, just his underwear. So at some point during his mystical fortune being told, Prince John somehow removed his royal clothing, which Robin Hood stuffed into his clothes, and ran away with it. So Prince John has it out for these boys. I mean, with good reason. Like, they totally humiliated him. But now it's, like, personal. The kids from the birthday party end up meeting Marion and Lady Cluck, who is her sort of lady-in-waiting, her nursemaid, if you will. Did you recognize their voices? No. Who? Oh, wait. Was it? No, no, no. It was was the cat. It was the main cat. Was it Zsa Zsa Gabor? No. Dang it. It was not. Was Zsa Zsa Gabor one of the cats? She was Duchess. Duchess. Okay. But this Ugh. is kind of related to that movie. Who was it? It's time for uh, <gasps> Fun Facts with Joe Payo. Uh, this one I thought was a pretty good fact. But uh, Maid Marian and Lady Cluck are voiced respectively by Monica Evans and Carol Shelley. The two of them played... The Goose Sisters in the oh. Aristocats. Oh, <laughs> I never would have picked that out. And not only were they uh, the Goose Sisters, 
I didn't realize this from Aristocats. They were also uh, they also played sisters in The Odd Couple. They were called the Pigeon Sisters in both the Broadway play and in the movie, the one with uh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. So they're used to playing sort of a, a duo together. Well, weren't they just a little set? <laughs> just like with Little John and Robin Hood, Maid Marian and Lady Cluck have a great repertoire. I love the way that both couples talk to each other. It's very sweet and it's very natural. It's not at all like the conversations that were seen in like Aristocats, which just didn't feel as natural as this. So there were certainly moments in this movie where there were gags and certain set pieces set up, but they were always kind of serving the story. Like we're watching how Robin Hood schemes to steal something or we're watching how he plans to kind of finagle his way into winning the tournament. It's never a thing where it's just like, I'm going to go get my hat and coat from these dogs for no reason at all. Right. I was thinking that, like, following that movie, this movie felt like a well-thought-out, like, creative plan. I would say there were three main parts of this movie. Like, the beginning, the middle, and the end. That didn't... (laughs) Great job. Thank you. That's Screenwriting 101 with Robert McKee. Oh, man, I'm so good. Oh, gosh, everyone call me to write your movies. But, like, the beginning part was when they first steal from the prince and get him super angry. The middle part was the archery tournament in which he is just trying, like, creates this entire thing just to try to catch Robin Hood. And the end is the prison break and the final, like, Robin Hood's nail in his Prince John's coffin. Not that he dies, but the final pivotal like end of Prince John beginning of King Richard phase. Yeah. And it I think it also did really well in between those moments of having moments where it slows down, you see the characters interact, they enjoy each other's company, they they talk with each other about little things like you see the romance budding between Robin and Marion and things like that where it actually makes sense and so that when it gets into the big action sequences there are stakes involved. Like I'm- you know there's something to lose. I mean, even the parts that were like visual gags, which I would say would be like during the middle scene when like there's a big archery tournament and Prince John has created the archery tournament just to catch Robin Hood because he knows Robin Hood is the best archer in all the land. So whoever wins obviously is Robin Hood. Throughout that, there are some like visual gags, but they're actually kind of clever. Like they take sir hiss and throw him in a bucket of ale like a or it's like a barrel of ale and they close him in because he's a snake so like they put him in through this little hole and then plug the hole and sir hiss goes in and he's like but i don't even drink (laughs) and yet you hear him go like glug glug and then when he comes out he's drunk (laughs) but it also at the same time serves a story point because he is the always the first one to figure out when someone's being tricked or when they, they like people should be on their guard. Like he's always the one who's just like, but Saya, like because he has he's like ringing the alarm, and they always kind of silence him first because if they if if he does, then the bad guys get the upper hand. So like none of the like visual gags felt like they were just there for their sake. Whereas like when we watched Aristocats, it was like I feel like three fourths of that movie couldn't have happened, and it wouldn't have changed the story whatsoever. Yeah, like the geese could have disappeared, the dog could have disappeared, even the horse didn't really have to be a part of it, but they were just kind of thrown in. But like with this movie, it was like, while some of the fighting scenes were like silly, they were clearly made for kids, they had to happen to further the story. 
which I appreciated as an adult. And as an adult watching this movie, I really thought some of the writing was very clever. There were parts when I literally laughed out loud. I One of those for me was when Robin is daydreaming and he's like trying to mix the stew, but then he ends up burning it. Then Friar Tuck shows up and he's like tasting the stew, which is obviously really bad. And he keeps coughing and blowing smoke rings, but he keeps kind of going back and eating more. It's like a really little subtle thing that has nothing to do with whatever they're talking about. But he keeps trying to have more stew, even though it's so uncomfortable for him to eat. Or like when little John is like at the archery tournament and he's trying to distract Prince John. And so he like sits down next to him, he makes friends with him and he tells him he's the Duke of Chutney. Yeah. <laughs> like that made me laugh. Yeah, when I was a kid and he said that, I was just like, I, I would probably think that's, uh, that's probably just some place in England I've never heard of. Or like another one that made me laugh was when there's a big fight scene at the end of the archery tournament and Maid Marian and Lady Cluck get into it. And Prince John starts getting mad at Maid Marian and Lady Cluck. And he's like, grab the fat one, <laughs> talking about Lady Cluck. And she's like, excuse me. And then proceeds to like football run the entire like rhinoceros army that <laughs> little John has. Did you recognize the music that was playing? Yeah, I did. It was from, wasn't it from the elephants? section no <gasps> then what was it that's the usc football team fight song what wait no what? <laughs> yes it is no it's a song called fight on and i know this because i i went to, oh, i went to us sir Ooh, posh, and every weekend you would hear that everywhere oh, but well. that was the usc fight song so I, I started laughing at that oh that's why you laugh <laughs> there were a lot of reasons why like you said there were there the, a lot of the gags were really cleverly written I'll I'll tell you one later at the end that really kind of threw me. Well, I want to know now. You want, you want me to know now? You want to you well, want to know? I don't now, know. Now, should now? I save it for later or should I save it for now? Well, I can tell you now. Oh, I don't know. This is the Christmas Eve Christmas Day scenario. What are you talking about? For presents, do I oh, open okay. them on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Maybe this is a Christmas Day one. I'll tell you. So I have to wait because it's a really good Ugh. sort of build up to something, and Fine. then it's like really good. Okay, we'll get to it. Ugh, you're the worst. This movie did a great job of creating tiny characters, like characters that were on screen for like a minute, like a tiny priest mouse and a nun mouse. Oh, yeah. The the nun mouse. Um, did you recognize her voice? No. Another fun fact here. That was Barbara Luddy. And she was the voice of Meriwether, the blue fairy, mm. and also the voice of uh, Lady from Lady and the Tramp, which we discussed on the podcast. But one thing that made me laugh a lot is that when, when her savings gets taken away by the sheriff, she does exactly what Meriwether does, where she like moves her arms, goes, oh, she does the same exact movement that Meriwether does when she gets really frustrated. So speaking of voices, did you notice how a lot of the characters sounded like old cowboys? Yeah. There was a period of time in the development of this when they thought like, well, we'll do the Robin Hood story, but then we'll do a twist on it. Maybe we'll make them all animals instead, and maybe we'll set it in the Old West instead. So they started doing, like, uh, pre-production and casting and everything like that. And then they realized, you know what, we'll just set it in medieval times. But they still had a lot of the same cast in place. And so that's the reason why about half the characters sound like they're in an Old Western, like uh, Sheriff of Nottingham and Friar Tuck and the Vultures. Well, the Sheriff of Nottingham sounded like a wiener. 
Like the wiener dog from the last movie. Yeah, he's yeah, like the dog. We brought that up in the in the Aristocats episode because it's a very distinctive voice, and he didn't even like try to do a different voice. Not like Winnie the Pooh when he tried to strangle a child. Okay, no, both those actors they just do their voice and they just keep playing different characters. Well, this time we didn't have Winnie the Pooh strangling the child. the The snake is actually played by a different actor than Ka the snake. His name is Terry Thomas, and the actual actor has a gap in his teeth, and so they modeled the character after him. And it, they made it, it was like, ooh, it's a nice little addition, the fact that he can hiss his tongue through his teeth. I enjoy that at every chance, Robin Hood chants, long live King Richard. Or like, what does he say at one point? Like, a curse to not King Richard? Like, what is it that he says? Well, I guess this is the big fact. <laughs> Oh, wait, there's a big fact? That was the one that I was telling you that it was just like the, the Christmas gift fact. <gasps> I stumbled upon the Christmas gift yes. fact so before it was Christmas? At the end of the very last big thing when everybody thinks that Robin Hood dies from leaping from a burning castle, but then he ends up surviving, he and little Skippy the rabbit look up when they see that Hiss and Prince John see him and he's alive. They both in unison yell out, a pox on the phony king of England. So the thing is, is that my family worked at the Renaissance Fair. And so we had to learn about a lot about medieval and middle age uh, slang. And when you say a pox on something at that period of time, that basically meant the F word. <laughs> and so the whole movie ends with them looking up at the king and saying, if you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> So that's why I laughed. So even in the Renaissance Fair, we were not allowed to say that. Really? Yeah. Because that was like the deepest curse that you could like muster on somebody. Okay. So then if you said it, what happened? Did you have to like wash out your mouth with It's that kind of thing soap? where you spit and spin three times so that the devil doesn't take you. It was that kind of thing. Okay. So like, but what if your parents heard you say that? They'd probably spank you. Even in medieval times? Like or you didn't get a flogging? Or that's, that's what I mean by spanking. More like a flogging. Did you get sold? Are your parents not actually your parents? You could be sold if it, if it's that bad. Or you're put in the stocks. Like, you know, like even in this, you see like the people, like the owls don't pay their tax and they're put into the stocks where they put your head and your hands through the, those uh, metal or wooden gates. Uh, they also had ones for children where they would put your fingers in like little tiny stocks like that if you skip school. Lovely. I wonder why I don't want to go to the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> well, they don't do that now, but it was just... Oh, no, it's all real. Okay. Can we talk about the sexy scene? Oh, see, when I was a kid, that scene was the boring scene because it's right after all oh. of the big things happen in the in the archery competition and there's so much excitement and it becomes a football game for a second and Miss Cluck is like jabbing everybody in the butt with a golden arrow and they're all just like running and screaming. And then it immediately goes to like these weeping willows by a pond and it's nighttime and this... Romantic music's playing, and brown Robin and Marion. Brown cow. Robin and Marion are like staring lovingly into each other's eyes, and it's just zooming in really deeply in their eyes, and they're sparkling. When I was a kid, I was like, "Nope, going to bed. This is a sleepy time." Oh, and they got engaged. Yeah. He put a ring on her finger. Um, one of her four fingers. Yes, they both have four fingers. It's kind of a weird close-up where it's like, ugh. He put it on the middle finger, I guess, which would be the ring finger. That would have to be the one. Fingers. Yeah. Because there's either like 
pointer or pinky. There's nothing in between. So they got engaged. Brown chicka wow wow. Brown chicka brown cow. And then everybody. Brown chicka wow wow. And then everybody just kind of shows up and goes, surprise! Because it's a surprise party. And that's when they sing this song called The Phony King of England, when there's like a puppet show and everything. But it's so funny because even like the puppets do the same things that like Sir Hiss and Prince John do, where it's like Sir Hiss buzzes in his ear and then they hit each other and then he sucks his own thumb while holding onto his ear. And then during this, there's so much recycled animation going on. Well, the dancing, yes. You just kept saying Snow White, Aristocats. Uh, you just kept yelling movies, and it was like anytime there's been a dancing scene, that's the footage they used. Exactly. So Little John is dancing with Lady Cluck, and they are dancing oh, yeah. the exact same dance moves as Baloo and King Louie dancing yep. with each other, and I want to be like I realized you. that one. And then they have this jazz band playing, and they are the Aristocats, and then Maid Marian's dancing, and she looks just like Duchess. And then Maid Marian's like a little taller than a lot of the other animals because she's a fox. And they're like small like badgers and raccoons. They recycled the animation from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves of her dancing around with them. And she's like clapping and swaying with them. It's exactly the same. Yeah, the whole time you just kept yelling out movies. We're like, Terminator 3. <clears throat> the Rise of the Machines. Impossible Day. Mission Impossible. Impossible Day. <laughs> High School Musical 3. The senior year. Got that one. <laughs> I almost spit on my wine. I'm so impressed right now. I was taking a sip because I thought I was making the punchline. Little did I know you were making the punchline. Guys, we got to pause. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. So leading into the final sequence of it. I was about to say, let's talk about this last scene. Because this last scene is the good like 30 minutes of the movie. It's worth it. Leading into the scene... Uh, they're trying to figure out, uh, or they being uh, John, Prince John. Oh, gosh, there's too many Johns in this. Okay, did you just notice that? I was like, why couldn't they have given people different names? Why did it have to be Prince John and Little John? Which, by the way, Little John was a giant bear. And Prince John was a dumb, tiny lion? Tiger? Bear? Oh, my. Why did it have to be Little John and Prince John? Why couldn't it have been, like, Little John? Joe was the first name I thought of. I'm sorry, I'm staring right Thank at you. you. Why well, couldn't have been Little Mark? Little Mark. Little Mark and <laughs> Prince Tony. I think you're going to have to take this up with ah. the storytellers from the 1600s because I think they are the same from that. Okay, do you have their number? I don't think they have numbers. We may have to do a <sighs> seance. Well, okay, call Madame Leota. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone too. We can go to her house. I know where she lives. It's closed. It's very haunted. It's closed right now. It's actually, no, it's not closed right now. It's six o'clock on a Friday. It's very open. No, I was there yesterday. The mansion is closed right now. Is it? Why is it closed? I don't know. Refurbishment. (gasps) You were at Disneyland yesterday. I told you. Yeah, they've got a big scrim up that just looks like the forest for some reason. No, I thought you were trying to tell me that like... It was closed on a Friday at 6 p.m. And I was like, no, Disneyland is not closed on a Friday at 6 p.m. It is not. But Wait, the mansion is closed mansion right is? now. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Disney the Tool Man Taylor. <laughs> and I am hosting Family Feud. Is that Richard, Richard Carn did? Oh, my like God. I, I thought you were being Steve Harvey. Oh, he did. He did it, too. Yeah. Is he currently doing it? I think so. Okay. 
And I am the spokesman for Osh. Dude, this took a weird turn. <laughs> Even for us. Can we cycle back? Yeah. So I'm used to many different versions of Robin Hood. And one of the things I think that has become synonymous with the iconography of the story is somebody being sent to the gallows, somebody being hung, and then Robin Hood from the crowd shooting at the rope and breaking it so that they survive. This happens in most film versions of Robin Hood. So when it came to that point where they say, oh, we know how we can get him. We can arrest his friend, Friar Tuck, and say he's going to be executed, and that will bring Robin Hood right to us. I seriously got very confused and thought that we were going to see a scene where this kindly Western badger is put on the gallows, is hung, and then Robin Hood shows up and shoots down his noose. That did not happen, luckily. Yeah, nobody's going to do that in a cartoon. (laughs) But I got lost in which version I was watching. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds rough. Instead, uh, Robin Hood and Little John find out about the plan because as they're setting up the gallows, the vultures cannot keep their mouths shut about what they plan to do. And they just say, it's time for a jailbreak. So they do the jailbreak. And the jailbreak happens very quickly and very easily. Because all of Nottingham is in jail. Even the children and the babies and the mice and yeah, everybody. everyone. The entire rabbit family. And it's everyone. like, and they show everybody. Even the narrator is like, I'm in here too. And they show everybody and there's a sad song and it's raining. And it's actually kind of depressing. And I remember I had this weird sort of sense memory of watching this when I was a kid and actually tearing up. And just from the sense memory, I started tearing up again because it's just like really everybody looks so incredibly miserable in this moment. You started crying? A little bit, yeah. Is this the first Disney movie when they start harvesting our tears? No, Bambi was the first one for me. No, No. I I teared up in Bambi. I did. You teared up in Bambi? Yeah, I teared up. (sighs) The one that most people point to is Dumbo. Because the baby of mine thing, baby mine, I I, I, I felt it in that. That was rough, But yeah. I did not start tearing up, especially because that movie is like 20 seconds long. And so the moment you start feeling something, it's over. I guess the one, I, I don't know, it's hard for me because every time I just describe a movie, either Toy Story 3 or Coco, and like either of those movies will bring me to tears just talking about them. Those are going to be rough podcasts. Oh my God. Bring the tissues, kids. If you guys want to hear us warbling our voices the entire uh, time. Coco, I can't and, even. And then Woody and then Mr. Potato Head becomes a tortilla. Did I tell you like they had Coco on at the nail salon the other day and I'm sitting there. The woman's like painting my nails and I had to look away because I started crying and the lady was like are your nails okay and I was like no no I'm fine I just have allergies and it was because of Coco but I didn't want to tell them it was because they were playing Coco but it was like the last scene when like no okay no we're not gonna talk about this we're not gonna talk about this because I'm gonna start crying go back to what you were saying forget everything I'm saying goodbye you're crying oh yes getting a little choked up watching everybody all miserable and and then uh robin hood shows up pretends he's a vulture breaks everybody out immediately they go on to phase two of their plan which is steal all of the money which is now being held in prince john's room 
And they do this whole thing where he climbs up to his his room, he shoots an arrow down, they make this pulley system, and this is what surprised me. Yeah. Little John takes an arrow with the line, with the rope, and fires it back, and it hits perfectly over Prince John's bed. Which, and I, I turned and I said, did, did Little John just shoot that? Yeah, which like, hello, nobody acknowledged Little John had mad arrow skills this whole movie. It was a perfect shot, and Robin Hood just goes about his business. It's like... Dude, your buddy just did the thing he is not known for, the thing that you are known for, and you didn't even just sit there and just be like, good going, buddy. You did it. That was great. So they do a pulley system. They send all these bags of money down to the people that are in jail, so everybody who's released from jail gets a bag of money. But once, like, the whole thing is discovered, like, Sir Hiss and Prince John sleep in the same bedroom, and they end up waking each other up. Well, even before that... It keeps coming to these points where Robin Hood kind of like brushes his hands and says, okay, that's the last of them. And then turns and looks and like, ooh, there's another one. And it's like, he could have gotten away. Everything would have been fine. But he had to keep getting that last bag. And so there's like, oh, there's one that's under Prince John's pillow. And he's like, I got to take that. Oh, there's one that's in his arms now. Now I got to take that. At this point, it was like watching somebody who was an addict start to relapse. It's like, you are not here to help people. You are here because of the thrill, and you want to get caught at this point. Yeah, the last couple bags, it got a little like, uh, you're doing this on purpose, buddy. Like, that could have been such an insult to, like, leave a bag. But the fact that he had to get every single one of them is just like, eh, you're, you're kind of showing off now. So then, of course, they both wake up. They start chasing Robin. The guards are shooting at the children. Yeah, straight up <laughs> shooting at the children. They like, even hit uh toby the turtle but luckily well, but he, has he has a shell and it bounces off of him but he has to sink his head into the shell um then comes my favorite part when the guards are taken down by what is it what is it barrels of wine and you might even think they showed barrels of ale earlier but when it breaks no, no. it splashes that beautiful beautiful purple color wine you peer upon the screen wine you peer upon the screen yeah yeah nobody drank it I mean, we only really, saw ale drink. But it's really a sad thing because all the wine's wasted. On think of these how old that is. Winocerous. Winocerous. <laughs> <laughs> the winocerous guards. Winocerous guards. That's got to be how we cut each other off now from drinking wine. Like, <laughs> nope, the winocerous is here. <laughs> you are cut off. <laughs> you are cut uh, off. <laughs> I mean, short for that, it would still be wino. Yeah. Yeah. Wino. Oh, the wino rhino. Oh. Wino rich upon a star. Oh. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) If we start making t-shirts, we will have a wino rhino, which which it'll be like one of the guards from this. Maybe like switched up. Guys, my spirit animal. Barrel of wine, either like knocking him over or stuck on his horn. My spirit animal is a wino rhino. Or it's a wino rhino holding baby Yoda. Do you think that maybe they could use the horn to like uncork it? Like just like. (gasps) Oh, but how would you? You'd be holding the bottle. It would be upside down. You just start drinking right there. So no, but like if the if the rhino the glass is underneath it. No, but like if it put its head down. So like if the bottle was laying sitting on the ground upright, and they uncorked it with their horn. But they have to like stand on their head. Do you think maybe they saber it? Like they just kind of like. Like just go How along the bottle. How would you do that though? There's not a thing to like. It's not like a champagne cork where it's, there's yeah, like a it's lip. It's not pressurized. Yeah. I don't know. 
We'll have to get back to our scientists. So much research. So much research. <laughs> research and development into the wino rhino. Ah, uh, wino rhino. <laughs> the winoceros. So Prince John sets his castle on fire. But it's actually the sheriff of Nottingham because when he catches everybody doing the jailbreak, Little John just grabs him, pulls him away, steals his clothes. There's so much clothes stealing. And pretends to be him for like two seconds just to strangle a vulture. That's it. That's all that happens. So then when the Sheriff of Nottingham comes out, he's in his long underwear. He's chasing after Robin Hood with a torch and just starts lighting fire to everything around him. Like the curtains. Yeah, he's P.O.'d. And so he's just like, screw it, everything's on fire! And you would think, because you never see him after he's in this burning building, that he's just done for. But yeah, you do true. see him later. Oh, okay. I think that could have been a last-minute way that they salvaged it. So then... Like, Robin Hood gets away. Like, at first you're like, he might be dead, but it's not real. It Like, really, they try to make us feel like he could be dead, but it's like, yeah, it's really not. Like, that wasn't the crying point of the movie. Like, nobody thought he was dead. Well, Little John does, because his eyes get well, so big and bulgy, it's almost like an anime thing, or it's like, you see the tear marks in his eyes. Like, but it's, it's about to, he's like, I don't think we made it this time. And you start to kind of trust him, because you, you've seen him get out of scrapes nah, with him. nah. But then when he when he shows up, breathing out of a little reed. Yeah, nobody's surprised by everyone's that. Everyone's just like, like, oh, okay, you're fine. I don't think that's the crying part of the movie. Like, everybody in the jail, I think, is more of a crying part than, like, this is. Yeah. I don't think this is like a, could he be dead? It's not like the trusty in Lady and the Tramp where it's like, is he dead? And then he shows up and you're like, he's cool. This is like, nah, you know he's fine. It's just a matter of, like, the 10 seconds before he shows up. Although it's also funny because Sir Hiss is really excited that he's still alive. It's like, oh, he's still alive. Oh, he can win again. And Prince John just starts chasing after him to kill him. He calls him an eel in Snake's clothing. Yeah, I feel like at this <laughs> point, like, Sir Hiss is just like, screw you, Prince like, John. Like, I'm, I'm for the out. Little guy. <laughs> like, I am for Robin Hood at this point. Because he's been so mistreated. He's been beaten. He's been tied in a knot. Can you, can you talk about, for a second, like, that little bit of abuse that you see when The they're... little bit? Well, no, 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 not because of course you see like the physical abuse, but there's the part in the uh, at at the archery tournament where he swipes at where Prince John swipes at him and he moves and he's like, "You moved away from my strike," and it's just like he has to kind of put his head back to where it was and like gulp it down, and it's this thing where it's just like not only am I allowed to hurt you, but if you try not to let me hurt you. That's even more grounds for me to hurt you. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. This is, ugh. It's, <laughs> that made me feel so, like, dirty inside. It's messed up. Like, if you didn't like, if you didn't like Prince John, you won't like Prince John. <laughs> like. But it's okay, because they all get their comeuppance, because out off screen, King Richard comes home, and he, you see a, a wanted poster for, for Robin Hood, but he's been pardoned by King Richard, and then Prince John and his, Sir Hiss and Sheriff of Nottingham, who did not die in a fire, are in a chain gang at this place that has a, a sign that says, The Royal Rock Pile. And they're just breaking rocks together. Okay. So one of the things that was like a joke where it's like, Maine Marion and Lady Cluck had said this, where it's like, you're going to have a... An outlaw for an in-law. Yeah, an outlaw for an in-law, meaning like, like Can you imagine really the wanted... King of England with a... An outlaw for an in-law. And, like, even when, like, okay, so 
So I almost said Little Richard. So when King Richard came back, <laughs> he, he was like, oh, I now have an outlaw for an in-law. What is Maid Marian's relation? Like, she called him uncle. Does that make her dad Prince John? I think that King Richard is her uncle. Right. And by extension, I think that Prince John is also her uncle because they're brothers. Okay, so then who's her parents? I want to say, I don't know. Because That's what I'm saying. They don't like, show much of just like animal crossing in it of the ones like, can a fox come from a lion? Yeah, like, well, because then King Richard is a lion and... Marion's a fox. But then Prince John is... Also a lion. Also a lion, but he doesn't have a mane. No, but he's not a tiger. But he's a lady lion. I think that's the whole thing is that he's supposed to be like a lesser lion like because he doesn't have a mane. One of the parts that made me laugh really hard was towards the end of the final, like, battle scene when Sir Hiss tells Sir John, like, look, Robin Hood got away. And then they say, like, a pox on your house or whatever. And then Sir Hiss was like, look at what you've done to your mother's castle. And, like, they turn around and the entire area is, like, on fire. And then, like, little, or uh, Prince John is just like, and like turns Mommy. back to his son, like thumb and he's just like nom, nom, nom. And well, well you can see like that's the only way that Sir Hiss knows he can hurt in this weird abusive relationship the way that he can hurt his dominator is to just kind of say like oh like after even after he like breaks a mirror over Sir Hiss's head which who should be bleeding right now he just turns at him and says look what you did you broke your mother's mirror and like makes him feel horrible that's his only tactic to actually hurt him. Well, but anytime his mom is mentioned, he just starts sucking his thumb. <laughs> he holds his ear. Mommy. The last final scene in the movie is a fox wedding between yeah. Maid Marian and Robin Hood. And they get their marriage and everybody throws rice, which is cute because each of the animals throws rice. So like the normal size animals throw rice, but then... At first, I thought that the mice were throwing eggs, and then I realized it was just rice <laughs> in their hands. Individual kernels yeah. of rice. <laughs> so it was super kernels, cute. Kernels, like it's popcorn. Kernels of rice. <laughs> mm, I like that rice corn. And so then, <laughs> so then they ride off into the sunset, and at the very last minute, they like pull the shades on their like little buggy, and then. Uh, trigger the the vulture with the itchy trigger finger on his crossbow accidentally shoots off his crossbow again. It bounces around all over the place. It almost hits a whole bunch of people. Again, it's one of those where it's like a slapsticky moment, but it actually actually almost kind of like makes sense because they've already set up the character being like this, and it's just a really quick little thing. And then it ends on the hearts on the back of the just married sign in the carriage, which this time I realized is like right in the area of where Robin Hood is sitting. That could have just punctured him right in the butt he's still smiling and waving yeah i don't think it did because then they pull the shades and it is sexy time is it yeah that's what happens is it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i've never been a fox i mean they have literally waited the entire movie to to like kiss so i think like their sexy time is just kissing well that was the whole reason why he joined the tournament. I mean, part of it was his pride in wanting to be the best that ever was, like no one ever was. That sounds familiar. (laughs) But the reason why you see him actually decide he's going to be in the tournament is that they say that the the winner gets a kiss from Maid Marian. 
And even she's excited about it. She's like, ooh, I get to kiss the winner because I'm pretty sure it's going to be Robin Hood. And Lady Cluck's like, I don't know how you think he's going to be here. She's like, he'll find a way. It'll be him. So the movie ends in happily ever after. Ba-bow. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. So what did you think of Disney's Robin Hood? Okay, I very much enjoyed it. I didn't remember much of it going in, but like on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is poop and there we go 10 is like fantastic i would put this as like a solid like six or seven maybe an eight i really enjoyed it i thought it was worth watching yeah maybe okay seven i'm gonna set it a seven it was i very much enjoyed it i liked it a lot i enjoyed it too and i think the reason why i there were so many things that i recognized in this as opposed to the other disney movies that i watched is that I have watched this as I've been growing up, not just once in a while or not just, you know, I watched it a couple times when I was seven. But I, even as I was becoming an adult, any time that I was given like babysitting duties for friends of mine or something like that, I would watch this movie because it would be, this would be one of those where I'd say like, okay, well, everybody likes this. Boys like this, girls like this, uh, children like this, adults like this, because it's just a classic story. And so I thought... You know, I'll put this on. And so while things were happening in the movie, not thinking of it in terms of like watching a Disney classic movie for the podcast, I remembered so much of it because it's just like, you know, it was like visiting a place that I grew up. It was nice and I liked it. And as an adult, I I appreciated so much of like the characterization, like the eyes, even when he's like dressed as a stork. And he's in the in the competition. You see so much of his face, even though most of it's covered, because his eyes are so expressive. We talked about in the Jungle Book how they captured so much nuance in the faces, in talk, in having really difficult conversations or expressing certain things that felt very real. In this, I felt like they were able to even condense it further in being able to convey so much just from the eyes of the characters. I enjoyed it a lot, more than I thought I would. So I feel like this was an enjoyable evening. Great wine. Mm-hmm. Solid movie. It's uh, bomb.com. Bomb.com.gov.org.edu. <laughs> it, was, it was a great experience. I recommend this highly to anybody who hasn't seen it in a while. And on that note... Wait, did you want some fun facts? Oh my gosh. I went to Cheers and End the Podcast and there were more <laughs> fun facts. Holy cow. <laughs> My dumb butt over here tried to end this. Please tell me more. Joseph Pale, husband of my heart, father of my future children. Please tell me more. Well, this here's a fun fact. This is the first Disney animated movie since Bambi that did not feature any humans. So like a lot of the characters are anthropomorphized animals acting as humans. There's still no mention of humans in this. Which I would even go further from this fact and say that Bambi doesn't really show humans, but talks about humans. So maybe this is the first one where just no humans are even acknowledged in the whole movie. Hmm. Would you like another fun fact? Yes, I would freaking level the number. The <laughs> Yes, please. My wife just 404'd. Did an illegal I operation. I guess not found. <laughs> Yes, please. 
You had mentioned during the movie, you said, how long is this? Which, you know, we paused a couple times to get more wine or to get more food or anything like that. But you had said, this one's a long one. Like, it feels long, but it doesn't feel long. Like, it seems like we're sitting with this for a long time, but it's it's going along at a good pace. Well, it felt like a comprehensive movie. Yeah. Uh, it's because this is the first Disney animated movie to be one hour and 20 minutes since Fantasia. So since Fantasia, which was 1940, which is 30 years before this one, uh, most movies were much shorter. Like, they kind of kept it to about 80 minutes or something like that. But, uh, yeah, this one was actually longer than most of the ones that had come before it. Hmm. Do you have any final thoughts? I know I've got some stray ones because we were jumping around a little bit. I was looking through my notes, and I can't think of anything else we didn't, like, kind of touch on. I know one thing that that I personally like picked up on that kind of made me laugh. And it's that when they're making the stew and Robin Hood is burning it while little John is doing the laundry. When I was younger, I made this weird mental connection just because of the like stirring the big boiling pot and then the laundry right there. I thought that Robin Hood was doing the laundry, that there was a big pot of laundry. And then it made me feel really weird when they started sipping and eating out of it. The main reason, I think, for that is the movie Willy Wonka, because there's like a whole scene where like Charlie's mom is like stirring a big vat of laundry with a giant wooden spoon. Well, I mean, I get that association. It, it just made sense to me that they, they were making like, I don't know, laundry soup or something. I don't, it was a weird thing where it's like because I, I, I associated both of those being like, you know, sort of seeing them at the same time. Which is like, why is Charlie's mom making soup out of laundry? And why is Robin Hood uh, making soup out of... Yeah, same thing. I don't know. Anyway, final thoughts? I enjoyed it. Yeah. 7 out of 10. Would watch again. I recommend it. Super enjoyed the wine. We're going to go buy some more tomorrow. Get that troublemaker, kids. Yeah, yeah. That sweet, sweet troublemaker. It's you not that sweet. I just mean I enjoyed it as a sweet object. <laughs> Do you want to know what the uh, next movie is? Ooh, what's our next movie? Our next movie is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <gasps> so finally, finally, Mr. Pooh, for some reason, living at Mr. Yes! Sanders' house, not strangling children. Yes! And getting into all kinds of adventures. See, the thing is, I don't even remember what happens in this because I know there's all the shorts and there's all the, like, the little things that have happened. I remember watching the live action TV show when I was younger where they're all like Teletubbies. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Like, is this the one where he becomes a rain cloud? It doesn't matter. Winnie the Pooh. Is this the one where he gets stuck in the window? You just have to watch it, man. I'm so excited. So, so excited. So. I don't know. I mean, I know I'm going to love it. I just don't know what's what, what's what's going to happen. But finally, we're going to see some of these characters not try to murder children. Noice. I'm excited for that. Are you? I'm super excited. <laughs> All right. And I guess with that, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>